Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome. Thursday on the morning show with Preston Scott. Great to be with you. Of course, I'm smiling. First, I got another day. Come on. I've been saying for years that at my advancing age, when you wake up, sit up, and stand up, by golly, you're off to a great start. And that's how I look at things. It's great to be with you. That's Grant Allen over there running the program. As always, show 5021. 5,021 shows. We are uh, embarking upon the the latest edition, Steve Stewart and uh, Dr. Steve Steverson in the next hour. And then in the third hour, good chat with uh, Brandon Straka. Brandon's the founder of the Walk Away campaign, we'll explain. As always, we begin with a little scripture. This is our 61763 segment. It's meant to um, encourage you to start your day with God's word. And if you're not able to do it because you're driving already, you're out busy working, you're getting ready to allow me to speak some scripture into your life and to encourage you to do that with your children. Doesn't matter how old they are. If they're in the house living with you, start their day with it. Yeah, even that 35-year-old. They're living with you, start their day with it. Can't hurt. Isaiah 41.10. So do not fear. I am with you. Do not be dismayed. For I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Little companion set of verses here comes in the New Testament, 1 John 4, 11 through 16. And... Um, I'm going to swap over here and go to the um, ESV version. That's, that's my preferred version these days. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the son of God and God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. People oftentimes just say, God is love, and stop there and use that as an excuse to justify living sinfully. It's not your place to judge. Well, absolutely it is. You're not to judge one's eternity. That's God. But we are absolutely to look at one another's lives and to judge. Do they claim to be a Christian? Are they are they living in a manner that represents Christ? Yes or no? We're supposed to do that. 
if you see me acting like a jerk, you, you ought to call me on it. It's what's missing in the body of Christ today. Because we, well, God is love. Yeah. And love, if you're a parent, you know that love means sometimes being pretty direct about things that need to be different. Love is caring enough about the person to offer correction, to rebuke as needed. I would question whether you really love somebody if you allow them to go in patterns that are destructive. Is that really love? Jesus, when he encountered people, he clearly loved all people. He died for everyone. But he said, sin no more. Ten minutes after the hour. Open up the pages of the American Patriots Almanac. And uh, let's rock and roll here. Thursday on the morning show with Preston Scott. Preston Scott. You're mocking me, aren't you? Oh, no, 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 no. On News Radio 100.7 WFLA. Twelve minutes past the hour, October 5th. October 5th is the birthday of Jonathan Edwards. Born in 1703 in East Windsor, Connecticut. The Congregational Minister's preaching and writing made him one of the most important figures in colonial America. His famous sermon, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God, threatened doom for the unrepentant. Quoting, the God that holds you over the pit of hell, much as one holds a spider or a loathsome insect over the fire, abhors you and is dreadfully provoked. Based. (laughs) But he also emphasized the transforming power of Christ's love. Quoting, Christ has flung the door of mercy wide open and stands in the door calling yeah everyone only remembers sinners in the hands of an angry god but his other sermons like you know mercy upon mercy grace in christ you know they 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 kind of focus in on the one well isn't it it, and here's what's interesting you would think today's culture would reverse that and just focus on the one you'd think but not the the sin part yeah they but they need to make someone an enemy yeah and so jonathan edwards is the enemy because it's it's what the scriptures I was just talking about and how people just say, oh, with God is love. Yeah. Well, of course he is. And if But you don't get to define that. Yeah. <laughs> and love sometimes is tough. It's tough loving people. Anyway. And Edward's, Ed, Edward's uh, grandfather of Aaron Burr, by the way. No way. Yep. Yep. Jonathan Edwards is the grandfather of Aaron Burr. Vice on his president. maternal his maternal side? I believe so. Yeah, it'd have to be. Yep. Because his oh. name is in Jonathan Burr. So, founding families all kind of have connections to each other. That's crazy. He became an influential voice in what was called the Great Awakening, the religious revival that swept the colonies in the 30s and 40s, 
Ministers with powerful preaching styles, such as George Whitefield of uh, England, attracted huge audiences. And so uh, there you go. The Great Awakening impacted politics. It, it influenced and impacted the day. And that's why that wall of separation is only meant to separate government from church, not church from government. But I digress. I read a book. Good for you. That... <laughs> I got one. I'm, I'm sorry, I couldn't resist. <laughs> that like David Allen, your predecessor, once said, "I have an idea," and I just immediately said, "Well, good for you." Thanks. <laughs> I read a book it, that the Great Awakening, the First Great Awakening, yeah. and the French and Indian War mm-hmm. were like the two events of the mid 1700s that really catapulted like a uniquely American identity, separate from the motherland separate from britain which and and then a lot of people were like oh yeah 1776 was almost inevitable at that point they the 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 colonies were becoming their own distinct people group separate from the mother country so i love that that era in history and um so i can kind of nerd out on that and god intended on america to be born that way because it was america and has been America that has largely been responsible for the evangelization of the rest of the world. Um, not a perfect nation. No, no nation is. But it speaks to the divine interventions that have happened along the way in this country's history, including the birth of this country, as I, as I mentioned time and again. David McCullough's book, 1776, illustrates and, and McCullough writes about it as the hand of providence, basically the way that the founders would re- would have referred to it. And he talked time and again about how, how in the world did this happen? A fog went this way instead of that way. A wind blew this way instead of that way. And it was, it's just, it's, it's God's hand on this nation. Uh, real quickly, um, let's see here. First televised White House address, President Truman urges Americans to conserve meat and poultry to help save grain for a hungry Europe. That was in uh, 1947. And uh, Chester Arthur, 21st U.S. president, born in Fairfield, Vermont, on this date in 1829. 16 minutes after the hour, it is The Morning Show with Preston Scott. No apologies for what I'm about to do. Here's the pitch. A drive deep to left. There we go, Minnesota Twins. By the way, that's my Papa Bear right there calling the game. The uh, 65 Twins, that's from the last of the ninth, the Pennant Drive. It's an LP. It's an actual album. And, um, yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, Found one that my dad had actually autographed for somebody. I found one on an online auction with my dad's signature that I, I bought up and gave to one of my boys. And I've got a copy of it. But uh, Minnesota Twins 
win a playoff series in baseball for the first time since 2002. <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen when they head to Houston, but they have the pitching to compete. That's the only thing I know. They they might not score a run. They might score 20 runs. They literally they they it can be Feast or famine with them offensively, but they'll pitch usually every game well. And so uh, they dispatched of Toronto, giving up one run in two games to Toronto. Great job by the pitching staff. That's good stuff. We'll get to baseball again in just a little bit in the next half hour and try to explain the unexplainable. Um, just bear with me on that. Um, Commander in Teeth. That's the nickname of the, the the residence dog, Commander. He's the Commander in Teeth. He a has dog that really needs to be put down. By the way, I that's what I wanted to get to, but I want you to consider the words of an eminent dog trainer. Who, um, I mean, he's nationally renowned. He was a former animal control officer, then went into the training of difficult to train dogs with behavioral issues. Uh, working with the governor of New York at one point, similar situation. Um, Biden's dog has had 11 biting incidents, sending was, one guy to the hospital. I was going to say, it's up to near dozen, isn't it? Yep. Do- dozen incidents? That's insane. Yeah. Any other dog would have been put down. Is is it... Uh, did I see a picture that it's like one of those... It's a... It's a German Shepherd. A German Shepherd or a Belgian Malois, something something like that. It's a German Shepherd. Got it. And, um, and while I personally believe that pit bulls are inherently dangerous, I just, I just do. I understand that there are pit bulls that are just sweethearts, and I get it. But I also know that there are tiger and lion cubs raised domestically that are just awesome until something triggers their their instincts and in the case of this dog 11 times since 2021 that's that's nearly every other month right 10 of these biting incidents have happened in a span of four months. But listen to the comments. And and let me just ask you, how much does this really ironically describe Biden? He says the dog lacks leadership, boundaries, and structure. Is is that? I, what's the old thing about like, you know, dogs and their masters kind of, kind of looking alike, kind of becoming like one another? There's, well, at least the dog's not walking around wearing Depends yet. Yeah. But now, seriously, the dog is symptomatically expressing the lack of these things. And isn't it interesting that that's where we are as a nation? Lacking leadership. No boundaries, literally. No borders. (laughs) Sorry. Um, And lacking structure. 
not adhering to the laws. It's just, it's, you can't make it up. Preston Scott. On News Radio 100.7 WFLA. Well, isn't this interesting? You don't say. I could go on and on with these little pithy comments like that. Big stories in the press box brought to you by Custom Care Dry Cleaning. That's Grant. I'm Preston. It's the morning show with Preston Scott. Did you see the announcement made by Alejandro Mayorkas? All of a sudden, this ought to incense you in a controllable way. (laughs) Did you see this? The Biden administration is waving rules left and right because the Secretary of Homeland Security has suddenly declared the southern border of Texas to be a problem. And that there is an acute, quoting, acute and immediate need to waive dozens of federal laws to build a wall. Can we just have a moment of silence for intelligence? How many, since Biden took office, since AOC went to the wall under the Trump administration wearing white, (laughs) crying, we've been listening to the lies of the left There's no problem at the border. The border's not wide open. It's totally under control. In this same press briefing, Department of Homeland Security justified the decision to suddenly build a wall along Texas's southern border. Maybe not the entire thing, but part of it. Due to high illegal entry. More than 245,000 illegals in this sector of the Rio Grande Valley this year alone. WTH question mark, exclamation point, question mark, exclamation point, question mark, exclamation point. Are you kidding me? Second big story in the press box. Governor Ron DeSantis is finding a second wind. You know, I listened to him doing an interview the other day, and, and of course, he sat down with uh, Bill Maher. DeSantis is really good in those settings. And he doesn't take the bait and go nuclear on his adversaries. He just talks about what's, what's, what's happening nationally, what's happening in Florida. He raised $15 million in the last three months. It's an indicator. Third big story in the press box. He's in. My man, Jim Jordan, 
has said, yes, I will consider if you want me to be the Speaker of the House, I'll do it. Ladies and gentlemen, I thought Steve Scalise was the best choice based on we didn't have Jim Jordan as an option. Jim Jordan has said, yes, I'll I'll do it. He is a founder, a founding member of the Freedom Caucus. He is, to me, the best litigator of conservatism and constitutional values that we have in Congress. He's fact-driven to the core. He's a brilliant litigator. He's a pit bull in the best sense of the word. He's the guy we need to support. It's the Morning Show with Preston Scott. The other big story in the press box you just caught in your weather update. Temperatures are dropping. Don't know how long they'll stay, if they'll stay. But um, that's good news. As 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 much as 35 degrees, temperatures are going to drop in the next few days in parts of the country. High temperatures. We're going to be down in the high 40s, low 50s by Sunday night. All I can say is bring it on. Yes, getting my sweater vest dusted off and ready. Oh, I love this time of year. Love playing golf at this time of year because it reminds me of, of when I played as a kid up in the Twin Cities um, in the late fall. Well, in the fall, not late. Late fall, you're, <laughs> it's getting cold. Uh, but when the temperatures changed in the spring, it was it was like this, what we're moving into, and I loved it. My grandfather, you know, born and raised in, Northern Indiana. His yeah. his birthday was at the end of this month, mm-hmm. and he remembers growing up, and he was like, "Yeah, sometimes there I had a snowy birthday, <laughs> and it's like that was that was a real thing when that lake effect snow in Northern Indiana by uh, Lake Michigan. All of a sudden, I can't remember what's next to whoa. I think you, it is. you said Michigan. Yeah, I can't remember what it is. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Michigan. I know. I know. But anyway. Yeah. Remember I talked about baseball? Yep. All right. One of the best teams in baseball and fairly one of the better franchises for the last decade and a half, Tampa. Oh, my gosh. Tampa Rays have been playing great baseball, good baseball for a decade or so. And and great baseball this year. Like well, they it, certainly started that way. Oh, my gosh. They they were undefeated for, like, what, the first three weeks of the season, something like that? And, I mean, they do more with fewer resources. Meanwhile, the other big spenders in baseball, like the Padres, the Yankees, the Mets, they're not in the playoffs. So, it's it's Well, inter- neither is Tampa. <laughs> well, you, you get my point. Yeah. I couldn't resist Tampa got boat raced in two games at yeah. home. But here's the part I want to focus on. Game one had the lowest attendance of any Major League Baseball playoff game since 1919. Get your brain around that. Were they playing Texas? They played Texas in Tampa. In You're Tampa. the home team. Yeah. Oh, I've got a story about that. And 
they had 19,704 fans in the in the dome in the in Tropicana, Tropicana field. Tropicana, yeah. And they got beat for nothing. They got boat raced yesterday. They're done. It's the lowest attendance for a postseason game since game seven of the 1919 World Series in Cincinnati. 1919? Isn't that the Black Sox? <laughs> Just get your head around that, though. Since then? Yeah. Now, taxpayers right now are on the hook for $600 million local taxpayer dollars in Tampa St. Pete to pay for them to have a new stadium. And I will say they need a new stadium other than where it is. I think the the stadium location for in St. Pete, it is so far south from like Tampa per se. Like it is impossible to get to, which I think could explain the low attendance for even a postseason game. So if they need to move a, move the stadium, I, I think they're uh, justified in considering it. But yeah, it's but for six hundred million local tax dollars, <laughs> which by the way is a bargain, as stadiums go, it's going to be a fixed dome, but with opening walls. You're, they'll be able to open the sides of it to allow air and light for whatever it's worth in. Yeah. Uh, I, some of the new stadiums, like the one in Texas to the one in Indianapolis, I think are just horrendously stupid because they allow the sun to shine directly into the field and blind the teams, <laughs> depending on which way they're going. I mean, it's just that's just dumb to me. But I, I, I'm just I'm wondering how in the world and whether or not their quick exit is going to bring this issue to a little bit more of a boil. I can't believe that everyone's real happy with the idea of tax dollars going to this stadium. You know, that I, I don't know. Do you know where they're looking at building? I do not. Relative to, to where Tropicana is? If it's, I, if, I feel like it's got to be closer to Tampa proper. Because where it is right now, where the Tropicana Field is now, it is so far away from, say, the other sports franchise, Raymond James Stadium, where the Bucks play. Like, that's an hour in the same. Uh, but they're looking market. at going in St. Pete still. Yeah, I don't, I don't know where in St. Pete. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking it up right now. And there's stories popping up all over the place. On the on this because you know obviously Tampa first look at St. Petersburg uh, Tampa Bay Times right now and Tampa Rays uh, stadium deal. Um, anyway, well, it, it, it's going to be an interesting story to look at. I don't know. I mean, the Marlins have always struggled with attendance. Uh, I you you could make the argument that for reasons I don't understand, these warm weather communities sometimes they embrace baseball and sometimes they don't it just doesn't make sense 47 48 minutes past the hour steve stewart of tallahassee reports just a few minutes away but but first Interesting uh, little sidebar story, a couple of them. 
Democrats are begging Joe Biden to stop saying Bidenomics. I'll paraphrase and summarize. The economy stinks. Why are you labeling it with your name, which then hinders us? (laughs) So you know what I say? Bidenomics it is. (laughs) Rising prices, Bidenomics. Rising energy prices, Bidenomics. Interest rates, Bidenomics. Wages, Bidenomics. Push to EVs at exorbitant prices with a backlog of EVs and prices coming down and a crash in the market of EVs, Bidenomics. Regulatory increase, Bidenomics. Higher taxes, Bidenomics. Heck yeah. It's just funny. They're saying, please stop. Please stop saying Bidenomics. <laughs> All right, not so funny. Watch the video yesterday with J.D. Johnson sitting here. New York Post obtained the video of Ryan Carson, 32, and his girlfriend sitting at a bus stop bench Monday in Brooklyn a little before 4 a.m. They had been at a wedding and a reception that had lasted into the night, and they were waiting for a bus, I suppose, chatting. Guy wearing a hoodie walks by who's erratically kicking scooters parked near the curb. The guy turns abruptly to Carson, who is noted as a community activist and a published poet. And he said, what the bleep are you looking at? Carson softly said, I wasn't looking at anything. The guy says, I'll kill you, pulls a knife and does just that on video. In front of the guy's girlfriend, he stabs him to death right there. Threatens her, spits on her, spits on the victim. He's bleeding to death and ends up dying. They've now identified him. He's an 18, 19-year-old kid. And this is New York City once again. First of all, what are you doing out at 4 in the morning? Are you nuts? He's a New Yorker. He thinks that, yeah, you know, it's, it's whatever. Just, I just want to ask one question. Why do we have middle schools in our community taking trips to New York City? I don't get it. All right, we're back, minus the music. If the system froze up, that's what happens. We'll make it ourselves. Bump, 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 bump. Anyway, welcome to our number two of the morning show with Preston Scott. Good to be with you this morning. I'm Preston. And joining me in studio is Steve Stewart. He is the executive editor of Tallahassee Reports, website tallahassereports.com. How are you? Good morning. Good. Yeah? Yeah, feeling better. Tough week last week. <laughs> I was out, remember? Well, yeah. I mean, you're you're now among the living. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah, there's a little stuff going around. You know, but anyway. Tell me... Uh, Tell me how angry citizens ought to be here in Tallahassee. Well, look, I wanted to talk about the tax increase. And this is, I think, comes from a couple different angles, is that the uh, city commission voted to increase taxes, as I think most people know. But 
there wasn't this outrage from the business community. Usually, you know that that happens when you start talking about property tax increase. But the problem was, or the issue was, had to do with crime. They needed yeah. more money. They need more police officers. People understand that crime is an issue. If you start, if you're looking at the news nationwide, you know that crime is an issue. And then here, the city just sort of opened up its books. Look, we've spent millions in neighborhoods. It hasn't impacted the violent crime trends that we see. We need more money for police officers. Now, we look, I argued that the tax increase wasn't needed. You should go ahead and fund police first. And Can I, can I back you up for a yes, second uh-huh. there? Because I'm hearing rumors that, in fact, TPD's just moved a whole bunch of officers behind desks and that the actual numbers aren't as dire we're under there's no doubt we are but they're not as dire as has been proclaimed is yeah. there truth to that yes well i think there's definitely been some uh there and this really gets into the weeds because there was a new chief that was uh um you know, chief rebel was put in charge uh year or so ago there was some mass promotions done because evidently um there was a um a delay of some promotions so there has been an argument that some people have been taking off uh, of the streets although i've checked into that and let me tell you what absent some d- deep public records quests which we could do and really just looking at specifics okay i mean it's you know it's it's tough to challenge the company line that look we're putting all officers that we have out on the streets there's okay? no doubt we're short staffed I don't think there's any question about that. And the the point of the tax increase going to that, I think going to law enforcement is sort of highlighting the need for it. And it did, it did mute the, uh, um, the outrage over the tax increase. It wasn't a big tax increase, but what it did do is give the progressive wing of the city commission, you know, a little bit of ammunition to argue against a tax increase without ever addressing the law enforcement issue here. And so, Listen, they had two public hearings, the last public hearing, um, and they have, they have speakers. And the, the, what I wanted to highlight, and this you're not going to get this anywhere else, is the progressives are starting to get ready for the election cycle next year. And, and we'll talk later about some of the other races. But they start speaking uh, at these meetings, and the, I think it's the Tallahassee Action Committee, which is anti-law enforcement. Mm-hmm. On their website, they have Chief Revel is a killer cop. Um, these people support Commissioner Matlow, Commissioner Porter, and what is they're what, hate merchants. They, they're hate merchants. But what happens and is frustrating to me, okay, is they they get up and they have their three minutes and nobody pushes back. And I understand that they, you know, part of the argument is that well, you don't want to give them oxygen. But this is these are three or four speakers that get up and basically lie. And Commissioner Matlow and Commissioner Porter, who uh, who again who they support, won't you know won't call them out. Um, and there was one, and this is the one I wanted to bring up. There was one who, that got up and spoke as a member of this group, and she's a teacher at Rickards High School. And so this teacher says that students at Rickards are afraid to talk to resource officers because they're, afla- they're afraid of police officers. And the, my point is, well, you belong to a group who calls the police chief a killer cop. And so now I start wondering, what is this teacher you know, what message is she promoting at Rickards High School? Yeah. But this group, um, it should be called out. Oftentimes in the local media, they get cited as just another activist group, and it's beyond that. And so that'll be interesting to see if this starts to ratchet up uh, moving to the election, um, the elections, local elections next year, because Commissioner Jack Porter is up. And, you know, the vote for the budget was 3 2. They voted against the budget, but and they're going to posture that in an upcoming election, like they are anti-tax, 
when it's really they're anti-police. Exactly. And they would never, the, the local media, and then including me, try to get them on the record. Do you support adding more police officers? Absent the tax increase. Um, but it was crickets. They, they don't want to take a position on that. Um, and, you know, it, the, the election itself is going to be more about law enforcement, economic growth. Because, again, Commissioner Porter voted against the Amazon facility. And now here we have, you know, a thousand jobs out there and still, you know, she snubs them by not going to the grand opening. But this is the beginning of sort of them, them starting to lay the foundation for the political season. Well, and, and the bottom line is the crime numbers are are indisputed. You know, they're, they're just they're You can't argue against them. The violent crime issue. If, and, it, and it, you know, it ties a lot to the homeless homelessness issue, but it is also beyond that. And I think that um, when you have the city come out and say, look, we, we are not meeting our goals on reducing violent crime, mm-hmm. um, and we need more money. Um, I think that is, they're telling you this is an issue. And you see it in the, in the, in the news. We followed it on Talos Reports. It, you, you hear a lot of anecdotal crime, crime uh, reporting, but if you start looking at the numbers, we are headed to breaking the number of crime incidents that we had last year, which was an increase on the year before. We are we're we're correcting some technical issues, so we're just going to keep moving on here. Okay, um, the city has gone ahead and approved the tax increase. Now we segue over to sports and tourism yeah. development, and this is this is a county issue, right? Well, that's interesting, and this is why I wanted to talk about it again. Things you're not going to get anywhere else. The um the the sports tourism issue has been a big one for Tallahassee and I and I didn't know this but but Leon County has got an item on their agenda on Tuesday talking about feasibility studies and if you go back one of the things that Leon County does really well is when you go look at their uh, agenda I mean it can be a thousand page agenda they detail the history of these of these issues and there was a sports um, tourism feasibility study done back in by the county I think in 2010-2011 and this study excuse me, looked at the fairgrounds and they looked at what kind of sports, uh, sports tourism we could facilitate. What would be the best? Um, how many, how many acres? That's is like a hundred acres. It's a hundred. Oh, really? Great question. Yes. And so they looked at outdoor versus indoor and they does, just, I'm sorry, does that include the football stadium I, it, in that hundred acres? It may, it may. Okay. But the, um, so I hear the music, but real quick, they decided we'll yeah up. they decided that the indoor would be the best way to go and when we get back we'll talk about what that study said welcome to the Steve Stewart show <laughs> it's 13 minutes after the hour we're going to try to figure out where we are what we're doing next on the morning show with Preston Scott welcome to the morning show with Preston Scott welcome to Steve Stewart segment with Preston Scott Featuring Preston Scott. Uh, Occasionally. (laughs) Every now and then. All right, we're talking sports and tourism. The county's been all over it for a while now. What's going to happen? We've been putting a lot of money into, you know, we put the $20 million into the FSU stadium. We put $10 million into FAMU. We put a million in TCC. And so, obviously, sports is a big deal around here. One commissioner wants to build a baseball park in the Northeast. Exactly. Track minor league baseball. The money we put into Bragg... FHSAA is going to do the nine football championships at Bragg. It's economic development of about $12 million. So, I mean, there is... Honestly, it's a better place than Doe Campbell. Right. So, yeah, it's a little smaller, a little yep, more intimate. more yeah. intimate. Better better crowd response in a stadium like that. I love it. 
So the the sports study they did in 2012 said, look, we need an indoor facility um, that'll hold about 12 uh, basketball courts, 16 volleyball courts. So you can do indoor lacrosse, indoor soccer. Um, they gave them a price tag of around $26 million. Um, talked about how Tallahassee is centrally located between Jacksonville, Pensacola, Orlando, Atlanta. That'd be a good draw for mm-hmm. teams. And so that was in 2010, 2011. They took the study, put it on the shelf, and we haven't done anything with it. Now, this recent interest in all the uh, the sports tourism is coming back, and so we are doing another study that they are into now. Um, and the, because the other one's too old and antiquated, yeah, they need to update it. I guess they've done they've done more trying to figure out more focus on what to do with the fairgrounds specifically. Right, right. And so now, given the status of the airport gateway, which looks like is going to free up some money. Um, that this may be something that will be uh, dealt with with Blueprint. So it goes from the county who owns the fairgrounds to the Blueprint. The broader group. Yeah, the broader group. And I think this, again, if you think about this, and, and obviously I have some experience with traveling, this is a big deal for a lot. I mean, it, it is. I mean, when they come to these tournaments, they come in droves, and it is a very big economic It drive. sure is. And so this is something that, again, that they're looking at, and um, it's – it's too bad we didn't do it in 2010, 2011. When costs were a lot more exactly, appropriate. Exactly. But it's something that will be uh, in the news and will be discussed over the next six months at these various meetings. Real quickly, does the plan include keeping Gene Cox Stadium? Um, yes. Uh, f- they're actually looking to try to renovate Gene Cox Stadium. That okay. evidently is is something that um, has been a benefit. Okay. More with Steve Stewart next on The Morning Show with Preston Scott. Steve Stewart with me, executive editor, Tallahassee Reports, TallahasseeReports.com. Let's segue from the sports discussion, sports tourism, to local high school sports. In my effort to get off of everybody's Christmas list. Join me, buddy. I used to have a wall full of cards. I get none now. So I am frustrated, and we're talking about sports, you know, and obviously I have kids that are playing sports, so this is why I see these things, right? And look, high school sports, right now there's five sports going on. Um, they've you know divided up into they have fall, winter, sp- spring, and five sports are going on right now. And you know I took the opportunity to go to the, all the high school websites to find out how much information because I like to report on things you know and you like to get sources. give the kids a little love exactly yeah. And so I go to these high sc- I go to a couple of high school websites and you know they've got their athletics tab you know and you click on it. And pressing 25 sports, so that means that each website have five sports should have the rosters and the schedules and the results. Okay, my analysis was that about only three sports were represented across the, the 25 sports on those websites. In other words, 21 to 22 sports you click on, you get last year's schedule, you get nothing, you get a dead-end link. And it's just frustrating to me. We we hear these commercials about how important athletics are to kids in the sense of not only physically, but developing their friend groups, emotionally. Yeah. And, we get, and we get this. And it's frustrating, and I'm calling all the athletic directors out. We'll go to your website, okay? Is it really that difficult to put the roster up with the schedule and the results. Is it really that difficult? When I was the sports director for the ABC affiliate here in town, working with the athletic departments then was a little better, but not much. And so we tried to start a program to recruit a media person, a student, 
that right. would be like the media representative. Because for the most part, the athletic directors, for them, it's their it's their retirement pasture. They just show up and they sit in their desk and they talk to all their buddies who are the other coaches, but they do don't they don't do much. No, and you know, the argument about money, we just spent ten million dollars on turf fields and we argue that we can't increase the stipends for these coaches. And I don't know. I just think our priorities are mixed up there. Now, this on the issue with the ADs, you know, I this, do your job. I mean, this is a basic function. Well, and now ask the colleges and universities. They have focused more and more attention on the media in terms of their websites and getting information out, social media, um, online, getting results, getting information out. That's where the colleges and universities are. The high schools should be following suit. Yes. So anyway, that's... Uh, um, well, now that leads us to where the school district is in general, and we're now going to be coming up to an election season for them as yeah, well. Yeah. A heads up. Look, we've talked about, uh, just in the previous segment, talked about progressives and how they're getting ready for the election cycle. Yeah. They'll start talking about law enforcement and you know economic growth and how the urban sprawl will be some terms you hear and things like that. Well, just know this. They hate you. Yes. Next. <laughs> so... I mean, there's this cabal of progressives that they get together, and they're and they're actually they're trying to win elections. They and they I mean, they cross a lot of lines, and a lot of people cross lines. In you elections, mean they'll lie, and they will they will do that. And and they've you know they've got an operation. Uh, one of the guys that that helps out who's who has been under the he's been underground. You haven't really heard much from him. Is a guy named Max Hurley, and he was involved with a a lot of local elections uh, supporting progressive candidates trying to. Well, uh, his media outlet fell into disrepair and went away right right but now he is his latest text uh our latest uh tweet is we are looking for a democrat to run for school board against moms for liberty Lori lawson cox who has been a danger to our kids here in leon county with her extreme anti-gay agenda if you live in this region please reach out this is a 10 plus democrat advantage seat so i think that that's you know pretty clear in what they they don't you know they this again is a district for leon county schools they're districted city you is need not. to save that yes oh well yeah hopefully you won't print take that. let me go ahead and let me go ahead and photocopy that but yeah but, no seriously because that is his agenda point he wants someone to represent the extreme lgbtq movement which 70 percent of this country rejects right and so what they'll do is try to fashion it in a way that is not as obvious and get someone elected um that's why that text is important yeah and i mean look they they are interested in dom. They're more interested in political power than they are solving issues here locally. And I think that's one of the frustrating things that you that that you run up against. And so and we've seen this in the debate over the blueprint money. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we saw a couple of people who opposed some of the uh, the economic development money going to some projects. They did it in a very logical fashion. The progressives talked about it being criminal. They talked about unethical behavior. You know, so there's a big difference. And again, no Republicans involved. Good stuff to know. I'm telling you, saving that is going to be useful and especially useful because people will know exactly why they're recruiting somebody. They're recruiting somebody because they think standing up for standard values is not the way to go. Exactly. Thank you, Steve. Thank you. All right. Steve Stewart with us. Well, I guess I should say I'm with him. It's 27 minutes after the hour. It's the morning show with Preston Scott. Preston Scott. Like a bantha. On News Radio 100.7 WFLA.
the founder of the Walk Away campaign, Brandon Straka, will join me. And we will have a chat. I strongly encourage you to challenge any Democrats you know to give it a listen. Because you're going to be hearing from a former, a former Democrat, former illiberal, who um, literally cried after Hillary Clinton lost to, to Donald Trump. And then everything changed. And he'll share all of that and more next hour, live on the morning show. Grant Allen over there. I'm here. Big stories in the press box brought to you by Custom Care Dry Cleaning. We're going to make this quick. In no particular order. Uh, Temperatures are dropping. We're going to have a cool-er weekend and cool temperatures coming in Sunday night. Cooler through the weekend, but cool on Sunday night. High 40s, low 50s. In the region, a respite and a much-anticipated one, and that's great. Just saying. It's cooling off. That's that's lovely. That's a big story to me. May not be to you, but it is to me. I think the most important of the stories out there is this, that Jim Jordan has thrown his hat in the ring to be the Speaker of the House. He would be my pick. I've advocated for him before. By a mile over any of the other potential candidates. Steve Scalise, the House Majority Leader, is certainly considering the job, but it's still going to come down to a vote. There are others that are being mentioned. Tom Emmer, the House Majority Whip, and the Whip is the guy that rounds up the votes. That's his job, to whip the votes into shape. Kevin Hearn, he is the leader of the uh, Republican Study Committee. It's got 175 members. I mean, to not be in that committee probably leaves you out. But he's considered somebody who's highly respected. But Jim Jordan, you know, if, if Jordan weren't in it, I'd say Steve Scalise. Because, you know, the the extreme Freedom Caucus faction led by i guess you would say matt gates and andy biggs and a handful of others um scalise gets along with everybody and they all like him i think jim jordan is to me the most effective member of congress i just think he has game on top of game i think he's brilliant I think Democrats are scared to death. And is it? wouldn't it be interesting and almost perfect if the Democrats, in fact, are responsible now for us getting Jim Jordan as Speaker of the House? Think about that. They're like, yeah, let's get rid of McCarthy. <laughs> and I, I did a commentary today. I think Matt Gates, over time, for all of the problems that we have and concerns we have, what he said is right. What he says is right. Wouldn't it be fascinating and ironic for at the end of the day, the coalition between Gates and a handful of Republicans, along with all the Democrats who thought they were going to scuttle it, puts us on a better track in Congress because Jim Jordan ends up the speaker? I'm just telling you, I would support Jim Jordan and write your congressman.
The Morning Show with Preston Scott on News Radio 100.7 WFLA. Now, really, write your representative of Congress. It'll matter. It will. And you can write me, Preston, at iHeartRadio.com. Let's talk about our pets. Our four-legged friends with Dr. Steve Steverson of the Bradfordville Animal Hospital. Good morning, doctor. How are you? Hey, Preston. I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing good. I came across a story here about a basset hound named Chief who, um, he, I mean, basset hounds like several other breeds have saggy skin, but they were saying that he had so much of it, he couldn't see out his eyes. So he had to, he had to go through cosmetic surgery. How frequent do you run across the need to do that type of cosmetic surgery that that enables a dog uh, to function properly? You know, Preston, we see that very regularly in certain breeds of dogs. Okay. You know, so we'll see it in the, the Basset hounds, uh, bloodhounds, um, and a lot of the dogs that have the, the smushed in face, what we call the brachycephalic breeds, uh, English bulldogs, um, pugs especially, uh, and some Pekingese where they have a skin fold either above or below their eye. And these bassets, like you're talking about, they have really droopy skin over their eye from the top. And so you go and do, like, cosmetic surgery to remove that facial fold of skin. So now their eyelids work properly, and they can see when they open their eyes. Uh, You can see the same thing in the other breeds of dogs. And some of these dogs will have a facial fold actually right down the corner of their nose. uh, And that fold sits up and points upward and covers their eye from below. Wow. It's the same thing. It's It's a fold of skin that's that's uh, uh, touching their eye when they open their eyes, and so then that fur can rub their cornea, and that can create all kinds of problems with their eyes. And so that's, that skin has to be removed, otherwise they're, gonna, they're liable to completely lose their vision. And so it's a very important surgery that we do on a regular basis. What about cats? No, not something we see in cats, thank goodness. We can see some cats that will have a little bit, like some of uh, the Persian breeds will have a... Uh, they have kind of some of those that have a smooshed in kind of face, if you want to call it that. And they can have a little fold there and get a little bit of what we call a moisture dermatitis or a facial fold dermatitis right in the corner of their nose. All that moisture buildup uh, creates all kinds of problems on the skin, but it doesn't affect their vision, thank goodness. All right. Let me. Is this the type of procedure that most veterinarians are trained to do, or is it a specialty type of surgery? You know, it depends, Preston. A lot of veterinarians will do that surgery. Um, if it's a simple, straightforward case of a what we call a facial fold occlusion or facial fold dermatitis, we can go in and, and, and fix that. Uh, sometimes it gets really, really complicated because there's a lot of important structures there around the eye, obviously, <laughs> that you don't want to, to mess with. If it's going to be a really involved procedure, uh-huh. definitely that may be referred to a veterinary ophthalmologist. Thankfully, we do have a veterinary ophthalmologist from Jacksonville that comes to Tallahassee once a week. And so if we get a case like that that we think it's something we need a specialist to handle, we can call them and say, hey, I've got this case I need you to take a look at, and, and they will take care of it for us. And most vets are, are forthright enough with their, with their clients to, to be able to say to a, a pet owner, this is a little beyond my grade. We need, to, we need you to see a specialist or we need to bring in a specialist. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. 
um, that's that's certainly <laughs> the last thing we want to do is do something that's going to harm the pet. Sure. And so if we think it's done something we're extremely confident that we can repair, we definitely would say yes. You probably need to go to a specialist for this case. I know there's, um, but it's usually go ahead. It's usually it's very straightforward. It's usually a very straightforward surgery. It's very obvious what the problem is. It's not this big, long, complicated discussion because the owners usually are very aware of the problem their dog has, you know. And so it's usually it's a very straightforward discussion and a very straightforward procedure. I know there's more surgeries I want to talk about. We'll do that in the next visit. Then we'll start getting ready for the holiday season. And you and I both know the topics that are going to come up then. Uh, Doctor Steverson, oh, yeah. thanks so very much for the time today. Great, thanks, Preston. Dr. Steve Steverson with us this morning from the Bradfordville Animal Hospital, our guest. Twice a month. Pause for thought. Still one of the great names of a segment ever on the morning show with Preston Scott. This is the morning show with Preston Scott. Rolling back in Studio 1A again. Grant had a bit of a fire alarm moment. What? <laughs> Look on his face. When everything just went Ice Age on him. It was just... I've never had to do a hard reset like that in the middle of a segment. But well, hey. describe to everybody what, what, what you mean. What happened? So... Uh, we're coming out of at the top of the hour. Steve's here. We're we're and I'm and I'm like clicking the music bed to start, and I'm like <laughs> click, click. Nothing's happening. <laughs> just looking at me like I don't know what to do. And so I just I'm like I turn Preston's mic on and I'm like go. I that, do, I did do, the music do, bed, do, do, yeah. Do, 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 yeah. That was the yeah. only thing missing is you doing the music bed over there and me talking <laughs> on top of you going, that's probably what we need to do in the future. So if that ever happens again, you're just the sound bed. Good morning and welcome to our number two. Yeah, it was uh, it was a moment to behold. And then he just looked at me. Where we normally, you know, we take a break for weather and traffic at that point, And he's looking at me going, stretch. Stretch. stretch I'm restarting stretch. the computer. <laughs> and of course, with Steve Stewart, that that's never an issue. We have no shortage of things to talk about. But uh, but anyway, here we are. Back with everything working. The morning show band in place. Now replaced by the morning show orchestra. And it's time to go on the road again. Ideas for stops along the road when you are making a trip. Wherever you might be going, these are just little tips that come courtesy of a book and and just personal knowledge and ideas, tips, suggestions from you, Preston at iHeartRadio.com. This is from the book Unique America, Strange, Unusual, and Just Plain Fun, A Trip Through America. Did you, sir, in your many years in Tulsa, attending Oral Roberts University, which, by the way, is worth a stop to see the praying hands. It's a a beautiful little campus. They alone have their own uh, roadside stop, if you will. Yeah, it's, it's, I love the campus. It's a lovely campus. But did you ever see the Golden Driller? Oh, yeah. I went to the... I've seen the Driller before. He's at the fairgrounds. 
Originally erected for the International Petroleum Exposition in 1953, the Golden Driller claims the title of America's largest freestanding statue, 76 feet tall, 43,500 pounds in weight. The big guy was refurbished and relocated to his current home at the Tulsa Exposition Center in 1966, where he has survived tornadoes, art critics, and even the occasional shotgun blast. It's Oklahoma, baby. Come on. The Golden Driller rests his hand on a real oil derrick used in an oil field, and that's awesome looking. If you've never seen a photo of it, it's incredible. It, it's impressive. Having his hand sitting on the oil derrick. I mean, he's like the jolly green giant of oil, for Pete's sake. <laughs> and um, it, it was used in the oil field in Seminole, Oklahoma. Statue stands in tribute, quoting, the men of the petroleum industry who by their vision and daring have created from God's abundance a better life for mankind. You wonder, would they say God's abundance if, if it weren't for Oral Roberts having been there? I'm just, I'm just asking. But... Um, in 1979, it was named by the state legislature a state monument. Great photo op. It's iconic. Check it out. The Golden Driller. And then go to the Praying Hands. <laughs> because, no, seriously, it's it's incredible. The Praying Hands at Oral Roberts University. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's worth the stop. All right, when we come back... The founder of the Walk Away campaign, Brandon Strocker, will join me live. What's his story? How did the Walk Away campaign originate? What are his thoughts? What are the, the his peeps? I mean, hundreds of thousands have left the Democrat Party as a result of this movement, and I've highlighted it since it started. In fact, this is Brandon's second visit to the morning show with Preston Scott, and that is next in hour number three. minutes past the hour the morning show with preston scott i'm preston that's grant running the program thursday october 5th day 988 of america held hostage day 5021 of this radio program it's great to be with you i'm preston and i'm delighted to have back with us it's been a few years since we had brandon strock on the program the first time i had brandon on the show was shortly after the startup of something called the Walk Away Campaign. And if you've followed my blog at all over the years, you know for as long as Brandon is, has started this endeavor to try to help people see what's happening inside the Democrat Party, the hard swing to the left, the liberal movement of the left, you know that I have been posting testimonials and stories about the effort and it's great to have Brandon back on the show. Brandon, how are you? Hey there, I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing terrific. I want to start at the beginning point. Um, give people kind of the Cliff Notes version of how this all started for you. Um, uh, you know, take us back to the election of 2016. Yeah, so, you know, I'm a lifelong Democrat. Uh, I was a two-time Obama voter and was very much looking forward to Hillary Clinton becoming our next president. 
Uh, I was firmly behind her and honestly didn't really think there was much of a chance at all that she would not be elected because, of course, that's what the media that I had trusted my entire life was telling me. And so went in, cast my vote for Hillary Clinton uh, in 2016, and then obviously was shocked at how the election turned out. And I mean, truly did kind of go into shock, and, and it was kind of a, a you know a, a combination of emotions and reactions. I mean, I was angry, I was outraged, I was very, very scared that Donald Trump had been elected, and again, mostly because once again, you know, the media that I trusted had you know been saying that this was a a, a rise in, in in bigotry and white supremacy and racism and all of these things that I believed all of it. I thought it was true. And um, so, you know, I spent several weeks after Donald Trump was elected just being absolutely miserable and, and totally confused and upset. And so I kind of made this decision that um, I, I needed to try to understand how this happened. And my, my journey was never about trying to like Donald Trump or his supporters or be okay with it. I just wanted to try to understand it. And, and I wanted to try to understand how the media that I trusted was saying that he had like a 3% chance of winning. How did they get it so wrong? And so I started going on this sort of journey of research to, to figure that out. But there was this final straw moment for me where I had gone on Facebook in January of 2017 and posted something, uh, you know, about how I would never understand how anybody could vote for a man who was capable of mocking a reporter's disability. And that's when somebody reached out to me privately, a staunch Christian conservative who I've known my entire life, reached out to me privately and said, you know, I'm not trying to start a fight with you. I'm just asking, have you seen this? And she sent me a link to a video that was entitled Debunking that Trump Mocked the Disabled Reporter. And I watched the video, which was a compilation of footage uh, that showed very clearly and compellingly that that day when Donald Trump was accused of mocking a reporter's disability, he was engaging in kind of a gesture and a bit that he's done many times throughout the years when he was imitating anybody who was flailing because they were caught in a lie. And that day at his rally, he was imitating somebody who happened to be disabled, but he wasn't making fun of that person's disability, but the fact that that person who was disabled was caught in a lie. And it was the first time that my eyes started to be opened to the reality that I had been trusting a very dishonest media system that was manipulating the truth and uh, at times blatantly uh, fabricating things that did not happen and being, you know, engaging in very deceptive practices. So over the next couple of months, um, I, I really dug into that and I ultimately came to realize that it was not Donald Trump that was my enemy. It was the media that I had been trusting. And that was kind of what, you know, ultimately made me walk away from the Democratic Party. And then the next thing was that I decided to take a lot of people with me on the journey. Brandon, stand by. We're going to pick up right there because, folks, I know Brandon's story. I, I've followed his journey with great interest because it takes a remarkable amount of courage to do what he did, and it cost him dearly. And I want to talk about the cost next on The Morning Show with Preston Scott. WFLA. 11 minutes past the hour. 
the morning show with Preston Scott. Walkawaycampaign.com is the website where you can learn, you can support the movement. I will be very transparent with you and tell you, uh, after I met Brandon on the show and after I learned about what they were doing, I supported this program for many years. Uh, I'm not right now, but it's not because of anything that they've done or, or have done. It's just resources get limited in times like we're in because of Joe Biden. But Brandon is uh, has spearheaded a movement. But Brandon, I mentioned the cost. Detail just a little bit of that, kind of what you observed as you started kind of sharing what you were learning with others. Oh, well, the <laughs> so there have been many costs. Uh, I thought we were talking about a different kind of cost. But, yeah, the cost back then uh, was really the loss of friends yep. and, and sort of the, the life that I knew. Um, so, yeah, I mean, around the time that I, I started sort of waking up, speaking out about it, asking questions, the cost at that time was that fellow friends, liberals, coworkers, uh, even going back to people that I knew my entire life, going back to elementary school, started turning on me. And I, and I mean, it was very swift and it was, uh, it was very obvious and, and extreme. I, you know, I stopped getting invited to parties. Uh, people stopped returning my phone calls and text messages. Uh, people started speaking out against me on social media. And it was, uh, and not just, it wasn't even necessary. It was so extreme that at times it wasn't even honest. I, you know, I had people that I thought were my friends. Uh, going on social media saying that I was having a nervous breakdown, that I was, you know, uh, that I joined a cult, that I uh, was drinking and doing drugs and, and all of these different things. And, uh, you know, people know I've been sober for over eight and a half years. So it was vicious. And uh, I would estimate that over the course of the next year, I lost about 90% of my friends. And that is kind of the thing that led me to, it was almost a year after I made the decision to walk away from the Democratic Party and start to be a little bit outspoken about it, it was almost entirely a year later before I put out a six-minute video where I detailed all of the reasons why I was walking away from the Democratic Party and started the walk-away campaign. And the reason why I put that video out in the, initially was because so many people had were turning on me and being so nasty that it almost gave me you know, almost like an anxiety kind of condition, because every time I would speak out, there would be some big backlash. And at the, you know, I wasn't a public figure at the time. I didn't have walk away backing me up or any of this. It was just me. And so I thought, you know what, to hell with it. I, I'm going to just kind of make a video where I talk about literally everything that I, that I realized that I, that I've learned that I'm feeling, and I'm going to put it out. So Anyone else who wants to exit my life can just do it. Let's just get it over with so I know who's left. And that's, that was kind of the main driving force of why I created that video in the first place back in 2018. But it, you know, of course, turned into something much bigger than that. You know, it's interesting because you, you've learned the irony. I have said for many, many years, Brandon, I've got you by, by quite a few, that illiberals are always what they accuse others of being. And they've always accused people like me, people like you at this stage in your life, like many of the people that you're talking to right now, of being so intolerant, of being so hateful, when it's in fact just the opposite. And I take it you've learned that firsthand. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've definitely learned that firsthand on both both fronts. I mean, 
when I made the decision to walk away and my, and my video started blowing up and walk away started blowing up, you know, I, initially I started getting asked to go on you know, radio shows and, and some, uh, then a few weeks later it was TV shows. And then it was, I started getting invited to speak at different clubs. And so then when it kind of became a thing where I was entering into different rooms and different groups and different clubs and a, on the conservative side of the aisle in the real world, there was this very warm embrace, you know, and a lot of support and a lot of kindness and a lot of people kind of coming to me, oftentimes with tears in their eyes, just saying, you know, thank you so much for waking up. Thank you for, for realizing that we're not what you've been led to believe that we are. And then the flip side of that, of course, is that the bigger my name became and the bigger my operation became, the more savagely evil and vicious the left has become. And that's why I kind of laughed at the beginning of this segment. When you were talking about the cost, I thought you were referring more to the the cost in the last couple of years, which is next level. I mean, (laughs) we're so far beyond now, like losing friends and not getting invited to parties. I mean, it's it's savage (laughs) at this point, you know? We're going to pick up right there. Brandon Straka with us. He's going to be with us for most of this hour. We're chatting about the Walk Away Campaign. Find out more, walkawaycampaign.com. There's an event coming up in Florida you want to know about. We'll tell you about that as well. We get chatting off air and... Uh, joining me, Brandon Straka. He is the founder of the Walk Away Campaign. And again, the website is real easy, walkawaycampaign.com. Um, people on the left hate it. And Brandon, I told people, I'm not asking you to, to, to come to the Republican Party. I don't care. I'm, I'm telling you, leave the Democrat Party. What's your chief argument right now, all these years later? Because it's not gotten better. The left has gotten more brazen, more illiberal, and to me, more destructive. You're asking what is my, my argument for people to leave the left? Yep. At this point? Um, I would say that my argument at this point is, you know, you, we, we went through four years of Trump as our president and up until 2020, I think if people were actually being honest and, and, and assessing these, the situation fairly and accurately, they would say that things were much, much better than things are today. You know, we, we had this elaborate ruse to get rid of Trump. Okay. We got rid of Trump. Here we are. And things are really disastrous in a way that I think even the left can can honestly assess are are disastrous, even if they don't want to articulate that out loud. Add to that the fact that everything that the left said they feared might happen under Trump has actually come to fruition under Biden. They kept saying, oh, you know, this man is, is the closest thing to, to a dictator and Hitler and, and all of these different things, and he's going to weaponize our justice system and he's going and that's literally all things in fact trump i would say was actually overly gracious and forgiving of his enemies including people who really did i think go way outside the bounds of the law to try to prevent him from becoming the president uh meanwhile now we've got biden in office who is rounding up trump supporters and we're reading this week 
that the FBI is dedicating force, uh, dedicating resources just to basically pursuing MAGA Republicans over the next, I don't know, year or two years, whatever. Um, we are, I think, at this point, the, at, at the at closest thing that we've seen to fascism in America. And if that's something that the left is so scared of, truly, and, and they're so frightened of, then they need to take a good, long, hard look in the mirror, because this is coming from their party, not ours. You mentioned that you lost roughly 90% of your friendships and relationships over this transition in your life. What about that other 10%? Did they, did they just become accepting and, and they were cool with different thoughts and all of that? Or, or did they come along? No, those 10% are gone now, too. Uh, I would say... <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> No, 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 you misunderstood. No, they, they just held out a little bit longer than oh, everybody wow. else. No, I mean, honestly, what I would say is that, you know, from I lost about 90% of my friends throughout the year of 2017. Okay. That, then when I started Walkaway, which would have been May of 2018, that's when I launched the video and the Facebook group. And then it was literally within six weeks after I started Walkaway, it was on July 2nd, I was invited to go on the Tucker Carlson show. And that, starting then, Fox News had me on every day that week and then started having me on, you know, at least a couple of times a month right. for probably the next two years. And so my name and, and my, uh, you know, the walkaway movement just became, you know, I think a, a household name for people in the world of politics for the most part. And so then two things were happening at the same time. It was... You know, these people who are my friends were saying, wow, he used to be one of us. He betrayed us. He's a traitor. He used to be a Democrat. And now he's not. But then to make matters worse, I also became very successful doing it. So then there was also this element, I think, of envy and, and, and rage and jealousy about it. And so over the course of the next couple of years, the remaining 10 percent who were a little more loyal, the majority of them, I think, eventually turned on me as well, especially after January 6th. And one of the many, many unfortunate things about January 6th was that um, it it gave people on the left sort of this excuse to to point and say, see, this is exactly what we knew you guys were. This is exactly, you know, what we always what we've been saying all along that MAGA Republicans are, even though it was mostly manufactured by people on the left. Absolutely. Brandon, stand by. We're picking up right there. More to come with Brandon Straka, including an event that's coming, yes, to the Sunshine State. We'll talk about that as well on The Morning Show with Preston Scott. Write him at Preston at iHeartRadio.com. Yes, he knows how to read. Well, actually, his producer reads him. He doesn't know how to read. It's The Morning Show with Preston Scott. Hi, Ruminators. Back with you. Two more segments with Brandon Straka, the founder, excuse me, of the Walk Away Campaign. You can learn more at walkawaycampaign.com. Talk about a big event coming to uh, West Palm here in Florida in just a few minutes. But first, Brandon, you mentioned January 6th, and I have long believed that it was as much of a setup as anything that we could possibly imagine. Um, Big picture, what's your takeaway from the events of that day? Um, I mean, I can only tell you based off of the experience that I had that 
uh, you know, it, it's very simple. I, I think if the truth is as terrible as you would like people to believe it is, then you wouldn't have to lie uh, to, to add to that. And that's what my experience has been. Um, you know, I, there, obviously there's not time to get into everything I went through, but uh, I, I know that I was the subject of uh, a hideous narrative of lies trying to connect me to the events of January 6th. And so I have no reason to believe that the government hasn't done that to other people as well. Um, and I do believe full hard, uh, wholeheartedly that, you know, there were people planted in the, the crowd to agitate people. And uh, I hope that someday we learn the full truth about why things happened. I mean, I definitely think that there are, you know, people on our side who got swept into making some really bad decisions. Absolutely. And I think the majority of the people, you know, just thought that they were walking inside of the building through open doors, which was what I witnessed from the outside. I, of course, did not go inside the Capitol on January 6th, uh, but was still treated like a domestic terrorist just for being there. Uh, But, um, yeah, no, I, I think that the narrative is incredibly dishonest. Whether it's on your website, walkawaycampaign.com, or your YouTube channel, I mentioned I have uh, availed myself of many, many dozens of testimonials over the years. Did that just evolve? Because I think people would be absolutely struck by the powerful nature of the numbers of people that have put their story, their testimonial of walking away on tape. Yeah, so, you know, we started as a Facebook group, but on January 8th, 2021, Facebook banned the walkaway campaign the same day that they banned President Trump and hundreds of thousands of conservative accounts. So I got to work building our own social platform called Walkaway Social, which we launched uh, a few months ago earlier this year. Uh, You know, growing your own social platform is much slower than growing a Facebook group because you don't have the organic traffic and people have to intentionally load the app, but I would really encourage people to support it because we, you know, we just hit 20,000 members on the app. Uh, so it's exactly, I mean, literally, if you loved walkaway campaign on Facebook, you're going to love walkaway social because that's essentially exactly what it is. It's people, it's uh, a social platform, very similar to Facebook. People are, are sharing their stories, their videos, their written testimonials about leaving the democratic party. We have hundreds of new stories again on the, the new platform uh, so if you love the testimonials, I would highly encourage you to check it out because literally every day people are uploading new uh, videos and new, new stories. Um, but, yeah, altogether, I mean, we've grown to over 511,000 on Facebook when they banned us. You know, now we're kind of starting from scratch with this new platform. I really don't want to relaunch the movement on Facebook, uh, but we'll see. I, I mean, that may end up being the choice we have to make. Man, I'm with you on that. I, I I pulled off Facebook a few years ago. I've not been back. I've been fighting my company on that one, but uh, I'm with you. Brandon, stand by. We're going to come right back. 70-second check of weather and traffic. And then the um, the event at uh, the Hilton Palm Beach Airport that's coming up in November. We'll talk about that with Brandon Strocker, founder of the Walk Away Campaign, here on The Morning Show with Preston Scott. Preston Scott. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. On News Radio 100.7, WFLA.
walkawaycampaign.com and now we take you to walkawayanniversary.com brandon tell us about it yeah so walkway turns five years old this year and um you know we're doing basically a three-day long event in west palm beach florida that i want to encourage everybody listening especially if you're in the florida area this should be very easy for you to come and join us uh, November 10th through the 12th. So we're calling this weekend-long event Walkacon, much like <laughs> Politicon or Comicon. Or, right. You know, and, of course, you know, people, they're like, oh, God, is this because, uh, you know, we're all going to be convicts soon under the Biden administration? Well, yeah, kind of. It is <laughs> little kind of double entendre never heard. Right. <laughs> uh, no, not really, though. I mean, honestly, we wanted to do, to do kind of like a, a take on a three-day conference, but, you know, ours is going to be a little bit different. So we kicked the entire thing off on Friday, November 10th, there at the uh, Hilton Palm Beach Airport location. Uh, we're going to do an extravagant, extravagant stage show presentation, and we have Laura Trump, Matt Schlapp, Tudor Dixon, David Harris Jr., uh, Misha Maynard, uh, Shamika Michelle, Katie Hopkins, uh, and we're going to be adding more speakers, Dan Ball from OAN. I mean, literally dozens of uh, incredible speakers, but I think what's really cool about what we're doing is that it's going to be about half and half of, you know, big name, uh, great driving forces in the conservative movement mixed with real people telling real stories. And this was something I really wanted to do is, is kind of pluck people who have created amazing walkaway testimonial videos and put them on stage and let them share their stories with people telling their story of why they were Democrats and why they're walking away from the Democratic Party. So, and of course, we're also mixing that in with videos and kind of a trip down memory lane of what Walkaway has done while also focusing on what we're going to do in the future to ensure that we see ourselves to victory in 2024, because I firmly believe that we cannot win in 2024 without a Walkaway movement, without people leaving the left and those people in the center saying, you know what, I'm not going to support the Democratic Party anymore. This is, this is a, a path to disaster, and, and we have to come over and support the right. Um, and then the next couple of days, we're, we're kind of mixing it up. Saturday, we're going to do an outdoor Patriot rally. It's Veterans Day. We're going to celebrate our veterans. We're going to just get people from all over the country together to kind of lift up our voices, you know, engage in our First Amendment rights and, and celebrate the unification of being together uh, as people who love our country and, and want to fight for it and, and not see things fall apart. Saturday night, we're going to chill out a little bit and do a really fun comedy event. We're flying in conservative comedians from all over the country. Actually, a lot of them are walkaways, which is really cool. A lot of people who were former left-wing uh, uh, political people who now – uh, have walked away from the Democratic Party and in many circumstances walked away from that side of the entertainment industry. And now they're on our side of the aisle uh, doing stand-up comedy or you know performance comedy. So we're going to do a, a comedy roast event on Saturday night. It's going to be a lot of fun. Sunday, we're going to start the, the day off with brunch with Carrie Lake. Uh, Carrie Lake is going to be our keynote speaker there at the brunch, and she'll also be signing books and taking pictures. And then the last thing that we'll do immediately after brunch is we will, uh, we will uh, do a panel discussion, which is the true stories of January 6th. 
Uh, we're actually having January 6th defendants there to tell their stories about what really happened that day, what they've been through and gone through at the hands of the FBI and the DOJ and what this has done to their lives. People can ask questions. Uh, hear that, you know, people are saying to me all the time, we can't get the truth about January 6th. No one will talk about it. Well, we're going to bring it to you right there from the people who actually experienced it. So it's really six events over three days because we kick it off with a VIP cocktail and hors d'oeuvre reception on Friday night where people can meet all of our speakers, take pictures with them, have drinks. It's going to be a lot of fun. And then that Friday night show, the Saturday rally, Saturday night comedy show, Sunday Cary Lake brunch, and then the January 6th event. So six events in three days. It's literally, we priced this so inexpensively. Yeah, you have. The no, I mean, it's crazy. Literally, we're, we're, people can do the entire weekend, all of those events, for a total of $200. All of it. Um, and then, of course, we have VIP options as well. If people want to do the VIP and get some extra perks and things like that, I highly encourage people to participate in the entire weekend. They can go to walkawayanniversary.com. Remember, it's our fifth anniversary. So this is walkawayanniversary.com uh, to get tickets to the event. But look, I'm gonna t- look. I'm gonna say something that I probably shouldn't say, but I'm gonna say it because it needs to be said. One thing our side of the aisle often struggles with is understanding an opportunity to send a message. Yep. And it, it, you know what the left has done to me, and so what they're doing to Donald Trump, what they're doing to so many people by weaponizing the justice system to try to destroy people. They tried to destroy me. They tried to destroy Walkaway. But I made a decision to rise from the ashes and fight back and keep going and keep going. What we need to do now is send a very loud and clear message to the left that we're not going to allow our people or our grassroots organizations to be destroyed by their viciousness. And the way that we do that is by supporting one another. I really want to encourage conservatives Get out of your garden, get off of your couches, get off of, you know, <laughs> turn, turn the TV off for one weekend and come and support Walkaway. Go to walkawayanniversary.com, get your tickets and spend the weekend with us at this event. That's how you support the people in your movement who are fighting. Brandon, thanks for the time this hour. I appreciate it. And uh, hopefully we'll follow up soon. Sounds great. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you. Brandon Straka with us this hour in the morning show with Preston Scott. Just think about that long and hard before you invest in boosters, okay? So I'm just saying, unless you've got a kid that you want to boost up in a car seat, that, that, that kind of booster's okay with me. Rocket boosters. The opinions know. of this show are not affected by advertisements in commercial break. They're just not. Sorry. Rocket boosters, I'm good with those. Boost your metabolism. Boost your immune system. I'm good with that kind of booster. Every now and then, I need a Coca-Cola or a Dr. Pepper. A little shot of, a little booster of caffeine. Hey, same. Come on. Let's go. That's about it. About all I got. (laughs) Um, This is brilliant. The cost of getting into a nursing home in Australia. Get this. Oh, I saw this story. 
the cost of getting into a nursing home, an entry fee can cost up to $500,000, not including your monthly fees. So, one retired Australian couple decided that they would book 51 back-to-back cruises. For like 500 days in a row, right? Correct. (laughs) And so, the typical 14-day cruise... Ran two to three thousand dollars for a couple. This this particular couple, and so when you add them up, they spent fifty to sixty five thousand dollars a year to spend five hundred days, just over just under two years. Gosh, that's still a lot of money, though. It is, but meals, drinks, cleanup, everything's included, and you get treated like royalty. I'm just saying that that's pretty sporty. Brought to you by Barino Heating and Air. It's the Morning Show 180 on WFLA. Real quickly here, big stories in the press box. Temperatures are dropping over the next few days. Jim Jordan has entered the race for Speaker of the House. Oh, the irony that the Democrats may have authored their own demise. By joining with Matt Gates. Think about it. Jim Jordan will be infinitely the best speaker we've had in 30 years. Back tomorrow with more.